Welcome to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. I'm so excited for another episode today. Um, we have a great guest, uh, John Hammerschmidt. He's in the Minnesota area. Um, he's starting out a pole vaulting club, and we're going to go over all the ins and outs of like, okay, what do you need to think about when you are starting a pole vaulting club? What are some important things? Um, because if you do start a pole vaulting club, one, you definitely don't want to lose money. And two, if you do plan on making it a full-time business and making it your life, you know, how do you stay in business? You you don't want to go out of business. You want to make this your life. You want to make it successful. And we're going to talk about some of those things. Um, as always, uh, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast. Please leave comments. That would be great. Greatly appreciated. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at The Real Apex Vaulting. We're also Apex Vaulting on Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter. And um, also check out our YouTube page. We've got a lot of instructional videos. Um, it's pretty awesome. And something I want to talk about, if you are thinking about starting a pole vaulting club, if you are thinking about, you know, starting a high school or college program for pole vault, one of the most important things is equipment. Let's face it. Um, you're going to need to get some poles. And I am so pumped uh, because here at Apex, we have a great, great deal for you guys. Um, you could save up to $700 um, on an Apex pole bundle. I mean, look, you can't just buy one pole. I know that's at every program out there, they're always like buying one or two poles. Well, every time you buy one or two poles, you're paying shipment for every time you order a pole. Why not get a pole bundle of five? We're offering a five pole bundle, an apex pole bundle that can get you through the season. Right now, we put it on our social media. We have an 11-6 bundle, two 12-7 bundles, but we can make a custom bundle for you. Hey, you need a line of 14s, you need a line of 15s, whatever you need. Hit us up, and we're going to get you a great deal. Uh, some of those bundles, you're saving over $700, um, and I can help you even decide what poles you may need uh, to carry you through the season. And by getting five, you have a really, really good, good line, and uh, me and John will be talking about that as well. Um, so without further ado, here, here's John. Good. All right. Hey, John. Um, thanks for being on the podcast. Um, why don't you tell the audience uh, a little bit about yourself? Um, you know, how'd you get started pole vaulting? Um, what, you know, what led you to this point where you want to start a pole vaulting club? Uh, you know, and, and we can kind of get into more of the details of like, you know, starting a pole vaulting club, things to keep in mind. Yeah. So I started pole vaulting, um, I'll say my freshman, freshman year of high school. I moved to a new school and just felt like it was something I wanted to try, something new that uh, they just brought back to this track program. We didn't have it for, like, 20 years, and so they just brought it back finally. And uh, a group of us just tried it out and kind of just fell in love with it from there, went to every camp that I possibly could since here in Minnesota. We don't really have many, uh, at the time at least, we didn't have any uh, full-time clubs or anything like that mm-hmm. close enough for me to get to. So right. just kind of fell in love with it, did everything I could just to keep doing it. And... Uh, Kept doing that through high school, um, did it for the four, four years of high school. And then after I graduated high school, I coached at a, another high school down the road from me. Okay. I was about an hour there for practices. Um, you know, coached there, lived, lived in my car for a little bit just to keep coaching there because <laughs> yeah. I miscalculated how much money it would take to get there for the whole season. And right. So that was a fun little experience. Um, <laughs> hey, I, I mean, I, I think anyone who starts kind of chasing a dream, you know, and I think coaching pole vaulting is really like a dream that people are chasing. Um, you, you do some crazy stuff. I mean, I, I remember even like, you know, I, the hours that I would put in, I, I was full time teaching, right? 
And anybody who's taught knows it's like, you know, you, you teach, but then you also have to grade. And I was an English teacher. And then it's like, I would then go to practices. I would not get home to like 10 o'clock at night and then stay up to like midnight, one o'clock grading and then back again. And then the weekends were meets and Sunday practices were long. So, I mean, I think we've all been on that kind of grind somehow, some way, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. I know, uh, like we mentioned, like we talked a little on the phone before I wrote my own photography business and you know, there's. There's hot seasons and there's cold seasons. There's no, no work to do. But during the during this busy, I got you know with even just a you know every a wedding every weekend. You know with each wedding couple, I do a full day with. That's 21 hours. I had to deal with them whether right. it's from beginning to end. And then I also have to you know schedule in the senior photos, schedule in family photos, and then right. try to find time for pole vault. So it right. it adds up. But it's definitely a nice change of pace, and it makes you know once you start up, you know you're like oh I gotta go to practice, but then you start getting there, and you're just like this is why I'm here. Right, right. And and this is why, too, it's like, you know, for anybody out there, and, and we were kind of talking about this before the podcast, like, you know, I the NCAA is changing the rules now, you know, where they're going to start maybe allowing athletes to get, like, endorsement deals, like collegiate athletes. And I saw some college track coach tweet out, it's like, oh, no, what is this going to do to our track programs? And the thing is, it's like, though, people like that have already failed us. Like, instead of trying to make track more popular, they're just hoping that football will keep giving us money so we can keep our programs on campus. And the thing is, like, for, I think for people like me and you, like, we realize how exciting and fun pole vaulting is. Like, there's, there's too many of, uh, too many people like you and me that love pole vaulting so much, know how exciting it is, and we know it's a good product. You know what I mean? It's something that people are going to enjoy. It's just, there's not enough access. You know what I mean? Like, like you said, when you were in high school, there weren't a lot of options. There was no year round club to go to, you know, it's, it, not every state has a a full year club. And we're talking about every state. We're not even talking about like every half hour radius. You know what I mean? Where it's like, look, if you want to go to an LA fitness or something like that, I mean, there's a gym in almost every town now. You know what I mean? Like there's even certain activities. I mean, like, uh, you know, like how many, you know, rock climbing gyms are out there. You know what I mean? It's like the, all that stuff is more accessible than our sport. I think if people had more access to our sport, it, that's how it becomes more popular. And I think for the people who really love pole vaulting, I think if you want to make a living off of pole vaulting, I mean, I hate, hate to almost say this. It's like jumping is great, but you're going to make a living off of pole vaulting if you start a club. Like that's the, oh, yeah. that's the way yep. to go. Um, but go, go ahead, continue with your story. So you're sleeping in your car, coaching the high school. You know, how, yeah, how do so we I've get been, to this point? I've been doing that for about three years, um, and I'm kind of thinking about putting that on hold just for now at least, just to get this club thing started and see where it goes, um, since it is a bit more experimental over here where track is definitely not a, one of the major sports. You know, you got a few kids and one or two kids at a town that, you know, every few years are good and, you know, in mm-hmm. triple jump or whatever. Um but track is really uh, not too popular of a sport here. It's just kind of right. forgotten about. Yeah. Um, so just seeing if I can kind of change that pace and see if we can change some minds a little bit and see yeah. what can happen from this. Um, yeah. I know I when I started coaching, um, I didn't really ever think about it beforehand, and then I was just like, well, it'll give me a chance to still pull vault with all the equipment right. provided. So I was like, this will be right. fun for me. Yeah. And then I started doing it coaching it and then also i was like this is a lot more fun than pole vaulting for me personally yeah so uh then also i was just like well i wanted it first of all a little closer to home if i right. can mm-hmm. um and then also just i don't want to have to have a kid worry about 
you know, trying to make it work for go to, you know, when they have camps for every six weeks, you know, once a week right. for six weeks. And, you know, sometimes that's not feasible just to make it fit within those six weeks. And if they want to be as serious as I was or, as you know, a bunch of kids want to be, then I should be able to provide that to them as easily right. as possible. I, I, I also think the flip side. I think for that person that's like a casual pole vaulter, I think a club allows that person to have that casual pole vault. Oh, yeah. For you sure. know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, I, I think on both sides, when people, if there's more clubs out there, and like you said, like that's how I always felt when I started coaching pole vault. It's like, when I started coaching, I was like, you know what? Like, I didn't have access to a lot of poles. I didn't have access to indoor jumping. I didn't, you know, I didn't have access to a knowledgeable coach. And so it's like, you know what? I'm just trying to provide athletes what I didn't get because I always felt yep. like I could have jumped higher I would have had even more fun because let's face it the higher you jump the more fun it is oh yeah. and you know it's like so it's like I always wanted to provide that for all the athletes that I work with I never wanted to be at a meet and be like oh man we just didn't have that next poll you know what I mean yeah and um and I think even on the casual sense like I was talking to one of my coaches who's been on the podcast Andrew Flores and one of the things we were talking about the other day too is like look like sure like Look, I think it'd be awesome if we all jump as high as we possibly can, but you know, at what cost? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, right? Like, so my best jump ever is 14, right? Like, so maybe I could have jumped 15. Maybe I could have jumped 16, right? But like, at what cost? Like, what kind of sacrifices would I need to make? But you For know what's sure. the really nice thing about a pole vaulting club is like, now it's like you can keep jumping and maybe you will jump that high, maybe not, but like, you can kind of go in once or twice a week, get some jumps, have some fun, keep in shape, and still be able to go to your job, still have a relationship, oh, yeah, still have friends. And even for the pole vault club owner, what we end up doing is we provide a living for ourselves and we're be able to be around our sport that we love and help other people enjoy our sport. And you know what? Hopefully maybe someday, and I really believe this, if, if pole vaulting clubs start opening up all over the place and people are running successful businesses, there's going to be more pole vault competitions out there. And then there might even actually be able to, we might be able to get to a point where there actually is like professional pole vaulters. You know what I mean? Where it's not yep. just like a handful of people in the world. It's like, no, there's like a lot of people that are doing okay jumping at some kind of professional circuit but it's like we need yep. to grow the sport before we can get there you know for sure um, i know like for me uh you know in high school like it was worth it i wouldn't change it for anything right but um you know my senior year is the year i did this one specific camp where um it was up in the twin up in minneapolis here in minnesota is where i'm from and mm -hmm. uh so I was up in Minneapolis at the university there, and, you know, I'm two hours south of there, so every Sunday for 17 weeks, is, this camp is 17 weeks long, right. um, every Sunday for 17 weeks, I drive up there right. and do the two-hour practice from 10 to noon, Yeah, and then I'd get in the car, I'd kind it out perfectly where, as I was driving home, about half an hour from my house, there was another pole vault camp that was, you know, two hours long, two hours long session. Mm -hmm. Then I would do that from like six to eight. Wow. And, but that was the only time of year that I could actually do that. Sure. There's some summer stuff, but really not that much. Um, right. at least down in the Southern part, there's a few meets up in the twin cities, you know, USATF meets, but, uh, right. Just didn't have the resources to, you know, go out on my own and pull what kind of have poles for myself to jump on and so forth. So, but yeah, I was just like, I don't feel like kids should have to try that. Hard. Shouldn't have to worry that hard without, you know, 
having some easier option to choose from. I mean, yeah, they can if they want yeah. to. But. So, so th- that's the thing is like with pole vault right now, you know, and I guess, I guess, you know, we should start kind of talking more businessy, but it's like, there's too much friction, right? It's like, why, yeah. why does everybody love Netflix over, like, why did Blockbuster go out of business, right? It's like, sure, walking around the Blockbuster and looking at all the, like, the cases of like the movies is great, but you know what's even better? Laying in bed and just turning on Netflix and picking a movie. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you don't even have to get out of bed. You know, there's less friction, you know? Think about, like, even Amazon, right? Like, why is Amazon so popular? It's like, you don't even have to go to the store, and now if you have Amazon Prime, you get free shipping. It's like, that's why people are paying for these services. And the thing is, yeah. with pole vaulting, if you want to pole vault, there's just too much friction. I and mean, most people are not going to want to drive two hours to practice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so it's like, the thing is, it's like, if there was a pole vaulting gym, like, let's say, in every town... Well, now more people would pull vault because it's more accessible. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. it, it's just, so that's the thing. It's like more and more people have to kind of, you know, they have to open up pole vaulting clubs, you know? And I think, um, sure. even someone that's been on the podcast, you know, that I, I communicate a lot with is Jacob Sanders in Maryland. You know, he started listening to the podcast. He's like, you know what? I want to start a pole vaulting club. And he did. And his first summer, he had 35 kids. And that's the thing oh. with pole vaulting is like, because there's not a lot of options, if you open up, you're going to get immediate clients just from people who are pole vaulters in the area already. You know what I mean? Yep. It's There's not a lot of competition as far as pole vault. But the thing is, to even grow it bigger is like, okay, how do you get people who never pole vaulted to come try? I think that's the biggest question. Like yesterday, you called me and you were, you were asking about you know, what are maybe some things I regretted or would have changed when I first started my club. And I think thinking in that way. You know what I mean? Like, forget about getting the pole vaulters in your area. That will happen. It's like, how do you get new people to start pole vaulting? I mean, does that make yep. sense? For sure. So, I mean, you know, I mean, we talked a little bit yesterday. Um, did you have any ideas? Like, what what do you think about that? Like, how how, how do you get people to get to your club? Like, you know, uh, anything cross your mind before I, I start to say some of my ideas? Um, you know, I just think you gotta just, I mean, it could be different wherever you're from. Um, you know, for me, it's, my town is a big hockey and softball and baseball town. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're some of the biggest sports to compete with because, you know, they offer all ages you can come try. You know, they got summer league for baseball. They got, you know, little, you know, little league for hockey basically is what it is. And, uh, right. I think to just to compete with that, you can't market. I want to call it market. You can't market the way they market. You got to just can't be afraid to just try something different. Like you said yesterday on the phone, you know, go to the rec center and be like, "Hey, you guys don't offer this, but I do. Can I advertise, you know, my services and stuff like that here?" Right. Uh, whereas I feel like you just got to try something different just to get some attention. You know. I, I forget the number, but you know, it's like, so I just, just listening, just listening to you talk like in your area, since hockey is so big, you know, it's interesting. And, and this is where people have to be really smart with like Instagram and Facebook marketing. Right. And guys, you have to do some Instagram and Facebook marketing. It definitely does help. But it's like, what I would do is like, as far as even hashtags or when you advertise something, you put interest, I would put youth hockey. 
I literally would put youth hockey in the adver- in the advertisement for like people you want to see that because there's probably people that follow hockey that are like, ah, oh, they might be on a hockey team, but they want to try something new or yeah. their kid tried youth hockey. Maybe it doesn't like it. And now it's like, well, now you're getting that to their eyes. Like I know even, um, this, this season right now, I'm, I'm working with someone, uh, who did like a promo video for me and we're in the process. We're about to like, uh, put it out there, but like, you know, we're going to even market towards, you know, like gymnastics, you know, cause a oh, lot yeah, of gymnasts sure. end up coming to pole vault, you know? And so it's like, if those people are already like interested in pole vault, let's make sure they know that the club is there. I know yesterday I was even telling you the story. It's like, one of the things that happened to me last year, this eighth grader, you know, joined my club and, and literally within like two, three lessons, like the kid was loving it. And the mom came in and she's like, Oh my God, like we love, you know, we love it here. You know, my kid loves pole vaulting and, and he, he loves, you know, the coaching that you guys provide. Like it's really, it's, a, it's an awesome, awesome, uh, you know, experience. She's like, and I didn't even know about you guys. We live five minutes down the road. One of my friends told me about you. And like it hit me, I'm like, how many more people that are maybe within a 15 minute radius of my club don't even know we exist and would love to bring their child or maybe they would love to try pole vaulting themselves as an adult and they just don't know about us, you know, you know, and that's where before we started the podcast, I, I said, you know, it's like, it's a, it's like that saying, you know, if, if no one's in the woods and a tree falls, does it make a sound? You know, some people say yes, some people say no, but the the right answer is it doesn't matter. Because if no one's yeah. there, what does it matter? You know, so it's like you could have the best pole vaulting club ever, and you could provide this great experience, but if no one knows about you, it's going to be tough, you know? Yeah, and it's, it's always, so like, like I mentioned before to you um, earlier, I do run, I run my own photography business, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in a smaller town that I'm in, it's, you know, most people, if they are on Facebook enough right. or on Instagram enough. They see my stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still crazy how in the small town that I'm in, people, there's still a good number of people who don't know what I offer. And I right. do quite a bit of work and uh, quite a bit of, you know, I do work for their friends, for their family. Right. And they still don't know. So I'm always in the constant battle in today's world. You see how many thousands of advertisements every day without even realizing it. Right. How to make yours stand out. Hundred without being too much. Hundred percent. You, know, you don't want to push anybody away with being too much, but you also got to get out in front of them, and you got to be consistent. And right. If you're not consistent, then you're gonna fall behind. Yeah. So I mean, uh, look. I mean that that's huge, and I, and I think this is the thing. I mean, one of the keys is like, you know, and I I know maybe some people don't like this, but it's it's just the reality of running a business, right? And so if you're running a pole vaulting club and you want people to know you, I mean, even with the ads that you have, what is usually a great idea, and again, this is something that I'm working on, is like you create a landing page. So if someone clicks on your ad, you know, and they click on the link, it'll go to a landing page where they can put their email and cell phone number to be part of your like email and text, you know, uh, service. And so then that allows you to give them, you know, text messages and emails where you're marketing your upcoming season or some huge discount that you want to do for them or whatever, whatever your marketing thing is. But this way it's like you're hitting that person directly. Um, and I know I look, I think in the track world, Again, just like those track coaches that are worried about, you know, track being cut from the NCAA or, or from their college. Yeah. That's the wrong thing to be worried about, right? It's like 
and, and I know as track people, we sometimes are like, oh, I don't want to bother anybody. And I, you know, like, look, I get, I get email shot back. It's like, can you please remove me from your email list? And I just remove oh, the yeah. person. And it used yep. to bother me, but now it's like, I just know that's part of it. You know what I mean? It's not a big deal. Like, cause otherwise no one knows about your service. And so yeah, you better know, for, Go ahead. for me, even just, like I said, I, I keep bringing up photography examples, but I've started my own business with that. So yeah, I'm kind yeah. of using same the tactics thing. of that right. for pole vault. But, right. uh, for photography, you know, I've been, I, in the beginning when I couldn't get people that I wanted to photograph, say I wanted this, you know, great looking couple and they're getting married soon and they haven't picked up a photographer yet, but they're not reaching out to me. Right. And I have literally messaged them. I'm just like, listen, I, this is a little bit unorthodox, but I'm would love to be your photographer. Yeah. And I've gotten shot down so many times, but at the same time, you know, and also when I do wedding shows, you know, I'm there advertising my, I mean, watch people just walk by where I, you know, right. I'm just like, if they, they're just simply not my client. If they're not my client, they're not my client. I can give them the best prices in the world. And right. if they're not, interested they're just not interested so don't take it to heart you just gotta keep plugging along and right like some people are gonna say no and you have to be okay with it i think also the flip side because you know like i said i was on the phone uh with a a new client actually they're not even in pole vault They, they do different events but you know so many track coaches and so many pole vault people it's like if someone is unhappy with your service you just get pissed and what you need to think about is like, okay, why were they upset? Is it that they're just unreasonable or is there something that I could do to provide better service? Like I was telling you, I think one of the important things for a pole vaulting club, like, look, like I always think that a great number is to have like 10 or less people on the runway. And really yeah. it's like you like that seven to 10 range. Cause I think when you, when you drop down to like less, it could be okay. There's nothing wrong with having two, three kids at practice or two, three athletes at practice. But it's like when you get that like seven, seven to 10, it's like there's a buzz, right? There's energy at practice. Yeah. A lot of fun, right? Um, but the important thing there is like, how do you integrate a new person, someone who's a beginner, never pole vaulted before into that practice? You have to have a process where you can smoothly integrate a new person without ruining the experience for the, the seven people that already know the process. You know what I mean? Yep. So you have to find a way to get through that as smoothly as possible. And I think that that's, that's really critical. And then that way they can be part of the group and have fun and, you know, everything runs smoothly. Cause I know sometimes, like I, I was telling you off, off air, like I used to get new clients in the beginning and, I didn't have that done smoothly. So I'd either have to do like a private lesson for like very discounted to take the person through my process, or I would have to have them come into a practice and you could tell that the seven people who are already there, like, and know what you're doing, they're like, they're kind of aggravated that you have to teach someone all this beginner stuff. You know what I mean? So it's like, you have to figure that out. Otherwise you're going to have a tough time. And if you can't bring new clients in smoothly, then you're eventually not going to have clients. You know, for sure, you know, um, so, you know, what about, let, let's, let's even talk more about your situation. So you're in Minnesota, uh, from what you told me, you found like a really great spot, a really great deal. Um, what did you do for equipment? Like, how did you get all your, all, all your equipment? So as far as the equipment, you know, pit, pit and runway and standards go, um, that's kind of why I got a great deal on that that's kind of what started me to realize that this could happen right now my right. club idea yeah um i reached out to 
so in, I, the school that I went to in middle school and elementary school, I did track my first year, you know, in eighth grade, got to know the coach really well. We always had a good uh, relationship, you know, on and out. Once I, even after I moved out, he was always very supportive of all the stuff I was doing because we were in the same conference and all that, so we saw each other still. Yeah. Um, I asked him, I was like, hey, uh, coach, uh, now that I'm out of high school, I'm offering uh, pole vault uh, coaching, and uh, you guys don't have a coach, so can I come and do like a – you know, a few practices with your guys in the winter because um, they have an indoor facility uh, right. their, for their high school. And uh, he's like, yeah, that'd be awesome. And then so I, I went there for like a few days for like one week. And then they wouldn't allow me to do like a winter camp, which I was really looking forward to doing because, you know, they have the indoor facility. Right, right, right. No pole coaches down there. And he brought up that they could not do that because of the space issue or something like that. Right. And one of the pole vault athletes there he his dad his, you know the kid loves pole vault and just wants to do it and they have the space the dad's a big you know big farming operation the big farming operation he mm. bought a runway and a pole vault pit from northern minnesota for like two thousand dollars oh, so wow. a standard a pit and a runway and i mean the pit obviously i've jumped on better and seen better but it works right um, the runway is pretty awesome um and the standards they work yeah. Um, so, you know, it's a very good starter, um, set of equipment. And, uh, once the kid graduates this year, he's a senior this year. Um, you know, the dad's like, Oh, I'll probably just sell it. And you're on my first to list. You're on the first on my list to ask. Yeah. So once the kid, uh, graduates here soon, I'm hoping that it goes smoothly. I'm able to get that runway and pit from him and then that'll set everything in motion kind of. Right. So we're all on just kind of get my ducks in a row and on standstill until that happens. So, uh, I just got a really good deal on a runway and a standard and pit and just figuring out the other odds and ends, you know, poles and space and space. I've kind of, I, you know, I already got the lead on that and poles. Right. I'm still figuring that out. And yeah, other than that, that's kind of just how things kind of got started. It's yeah. Like, so, I mean, some- what, what I'd like to add to that is like for anybody out there that's listening to this and thinking about, you know, starting a club and stuff, it's like you, I mean, listen, I think getting a brand new pit is great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like both pits that I've gotten at the club were brand new when I got them. Um, but that's a big expense. You know, you're going to spend probably around 20 grand. And so it's like, if you can find someone that's like trying to get rid of pits or, you know, whatever, and you can get a good deal, like again, as far as pole vaulting goes, and I can't stress this enough. I think too many times, like pole vaulting clubs start to get these like rivalries and we don't realize we're not actually competitors. Like even, even in the Northeast, like where I'm at, like my, the closest pole vaulting club to my gym is roughly an hour. You're not going to lose customers or clients. You're not going to gain clients because of another pole vaulting club. I don't care how much better the coaching is. Like if this coach had a million national champs or whatever, or this guy jumped this high and that gal jumped this high, it doesn't matter. It literally doesn't matter because you're too spread apart. What pole vaulting people have to realize is you're not competing against other pole vaulting clubs. So don't like, like, let's say someone sees one of my videos and like, oh, wow, that brand new pit Bronco got, you know, as a second pit, that looks nice. I should get a brand new pit. Not necessarily. I think if you yeah. can get something cheaper, that's the way to go, especially when you're starting out. The other I know thing what is, I did um, go ahead. for looking for, you know, people say, oh, it's a, you know, pull pit, used pull pits are hard to find. Mm-hmm. It's really not. I know for me, um, Richie pits, they, you know, they sell high jump and pull vault pits uh-huh. and all that. Um, they, I 
I met them at the Brits Pub Vault here in Minnesota. They used to have that um, mm-hmm. Pub Vault event a few years yeah. ago. Um, I met the owner of one of the owners of that company. They, you know, they're a great company. I, I've jumped on plenty of new pits before, but for some reason, Richie just. My goal is to own a, a brand new Richie pit at some point, no matter how silly mm-hmm. that sounds. But for me, that's kind of my goal at one, you know, some point in life. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, I reached out to them. I was like, hey, do you guys know? Are you guys selling any pits to any schools in my area? And then they said, you know, they gave me a list of whatever schools they might be selling to. And then I asked those schools, I was like, hey, I heard you're getting a new pit. What are your plans with the old pit if it's still, you know, if it's safe? And yeah, I went through the list of um, right. athletic directors and talked to them and found out that they're, you know, found out some good pits. And that's actually how my high school, when I was in high school, we got our first pit was after a year of not having a pole ball pit and just doing sand drills, um, Richie was selling a new pit to a school up in the cities from us, about two hours from us. And we rented a moving truck and drove up there and paid them like 800 bucks for their old, paid the school like 800 bucks for their old pit. And that's yeah. how we got it. No, I, um, I think, really I think that's that a, yeah, that's a great strategy. If, if, if you find out which school is getting a new pit, you could, you could definitely get a great deal. Cause I mean, I feel like honestly, most times people just throw the pit out. I, I can't, yeah. I can't tell you how often I hear about that. It's like people just throw oh, yeah. a pit out. So it's like, if you could find out what schools in your area, you know, are getting new pits. Yeah. You know, they got to do something with their old ones, you know, for sure. And you know, sometimes some of the schools, you know, their pits are, you know, not even complete sets or they're just so worn out where it's not worth it. And obviously right. you bypass on those and it is not right. going to happen right away more than likely. But, uh, this one, this one that I'm going to be acquiring soon, hopefully that one kind of just happened. And that's why I'm yeah. kind of jumping into this. I, you know, I planned on at some point in life having a pole ball club. Mm. I didn't plan on doing that at 22. Yeah. Um, I was kind of hoping to do that at like, you know, when I'm more of a, adult and have a little more stuff figured out and kind of more established but mm-hmm. this opportunity came about and i can run my own photography studio out of that place as well so there's more income based off that space that can help right. pay the bills right and uh pole vault you know slow will slowly you know build up hopefully and be able to offer that and one plan i had is i just recently got into rock climbing too so uh there's a, rock, there's a gym you know about half an hour from here that we you know i go mm-hmm. from going to like every monday or wednesday night and yeah. uh kind of looking forward to having my own place in that one shed as well. So okay. a few other services there. So yeah, listen, I mean, I, I think, you know, especially when you're starting your own business and your own pole vaulting club, there's a lot of different directions you can go into, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I think that's, that's something great, you know, and if something that you like and you want to include, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, that's awesome. You know, um, I, I think too, like kind of going back to the equipment, it's like, yeah, like if you, if people can find the equipment and like this, is, I mean, again, if you're someone out there, you're like, oh, I want to start a pole vaulting club so bad, but I don't know how to, you know, I don't, I can't afford a new pit. This is a great idea. Like just find out which programs are getting new pits. They're going to have to do something with their old pits. You can probably get it really, really cheap. I mean, think about like, you know, like you said, that whole setup was $2,000. I mean, that's extremely cheap. And yeah. there's probably, there's probably even schools, if you really dig, they'd be willing to give it away, you know? Oh yeah. I know there's a, uh, you know, obviously some schools willing to give it away just because they're the pay to throw it away. Um, right. You know, that something isn't the pull up. It's not going to fit in a garbage can that you right. know that is free for them to take. You know, it's, right? Do you have to? You know, one college in town that I'm from, they did this with, after I found out 
thought they were getting rid of it after they got rid of, got rid of it. They uh, just basically, for lack of better words, threw it in a grinder, <laughs> you know, in a shredder, right. and just shredded the whole thing up. And yeah. I've jumped on it before, and sure, it wasn't like, you know, it ain't going to withstand a 15-foot jumper, but anybody else below that, well, and, you can jump on it safely. Well, the other thing, too, and, and you know, I want to throw this idea out there, too. What people forget is, like, if you have old pits, like, it could be salvageable, right? Like, just like maybe there's a car out there, you know, that like, oh, the transmission went. Well, you could get a new transmission for two grand and that car runs fine maybe. You know what I mean? So that's a lot better than paying $30,000 and getting some brand new vehicle, right? So same thing with the pits. Like, you might be able to find a pit for like maybe even a thousand bucks or for free, right? But it's like really like shot. Well, it's like you could always just add more foam, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like you, you can Definitely. get foam. I know, look, even, you know, uh, I did like a little promo for like the, the pole bundles that I was telling you about. Yep. Um, so we're going to be selling bundles of poles at five, you know, five poles and you can save, you know, our pole bundles that we have advertised right now, you can save up to $700, uh, on getting five poles at once. Uh, but like the other thing that I always try to get the idea out there and, you know, I've talked about it even with UCS and I were, I work closely with them. Like, you know, you don't have to get a whole new brand new pit. Let's say it's just like one of the three big, you know, mat sections. You need one of those. You could do that. What if you just need a new tire? What if you can fix a set of mats with just buying some extra foam, shoving it into some of the sections that need it and getting a new top pad? So for maybe like $4,000, you actually salvage these mats and you have, and with the new top pad, a lot of times you get a new top pad, those beat up pits look really nice. Oh yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, so there's there's ways to to really really salvage it where you're not going to have to spend twenty grand twenty grand on a pit. You can maybe spend you know five you know three to five thousand dollars and really make your pit look nice and and salvage it. Or sometimes even the foam is pretty good. It's just like the canvas part is like torn up. Yeah, you could always just buy that. You could buy the outside material, you know. So, the, it, and these are things that companies can do. You just have to kind of ask for it. You you, you have to yep. request it, you know. Yeah, I know. Like for me, like I started as coach at high school, and they had just recently before I got there bought a brand new pit, mm-hmm. and they're just like, oh, you know, this pit should last, you know, many many years, and mm-hmm. even because it's brand new, doesn't mean you don't take care of it, whether it's used. You know, it's a lot of work to take care of a pit, you know, especially if it's outside, you know. Right. If, you know, like the pit, you know, we leave it out. The old coach would just, you know, put it out the first part of the season and just leave it till the very end. Right. But for me, when I had it, I, you know, every few weeks, say, or every, you know, say we got a big rainfall, mm-hmm. um, water does get into a pit no matter how well it's yeah. covered if it's outdoors. Right. So it might be a lot of work, but take the time to flip it, lean it against the fence, let it drain out. Let yes. It, you know, 100%. Just do the hard work and take care of it because you're not going to want to spend $20,000 every 10 years. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. You know, say, say you're looking for long term, you know, you do 10 years, you know, brand new pit every 10 years, let's just throw that around, and you do it for most of your adult life, 30 years, <laughs> that's $30,000, or that's about $60,000 at $20,000 a piece. Right, right, and so, I mean, with the first pit that I bought, right, um, I bought a UCS 1800 pit. So that's yep. uh, one where you have like, I think, 18, 18 plus feet behind the back of the box. Um, yep. But the shorter front buns, not like the 1900s that come like way out. Yeah. And um, and it's and it's thick. It's like, what is it, like three feet high or whatever? Oh, and, yeah, um, it's, it's nice. Yeah. So I bought those in 2010. And I mean, look, like if you look at them, they look a little beat up. 
but you know, I've added some foam in the big sections, restuffed them a little bit, and I have three top pads. You know, so you, you, you will go through top pads, but it's like, I almost feel like people see a torn up top pad and they're like, oh, we got to throw these out. And it's like, look, if you're starting to, you want to start a pole vaulting club, fine. If those people want to throw the, throw it out just because the top pad sucks, scoop it up, scoop everything up and go get, go get yourself a new top pad. And now for like three grand, you, you got like basically a brand new set of mats. You know? For sure. I know a lot of schools around me, they always complain, oh, our middle section of our pit, you know, when lands is getting worn out and too soft and all that. And I was like, first of all, buy a new pit or, you know, get new foam or do whatever. But if they yeah. want to buy a new pit, I don't tell them not to. If they right. have the money and they want to spend it, yeah. they can spend it. Sure. But I was like, with this new pit, if you have, you know, say it's UCS or Richie, you got three big back sections. Right. Some, you know, some cheaper pits you have like five small ones or whatever yeah either way rotate the pads yes. like the landing on in the middle yeah right then you then they'll evenly wear out and then you don't have one i just i just tell kids like today we would want to land on the left uh mat <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it makes it easier for me i don't have to rotate the pits i just oh, i just yeah, let the sure. kids land different no i'm kidding <laughs> go <Yeah>. ahead <laughs> but no like i said if you're getting a new pit or even if you have an old one you want it to last as long as possible, so right. take care of it. And then it'll last forever. You know, same with poles. Um, you know, my kids that I coach, you know, more than likely they like to leave it on the ground after, you know, they get done jumping, they take a break, and they just lay it on the ground. Yeah. I was like, not, I mean, if they lay it down on the ground right next to the pit, that's a huge, you know, they don't, right. they don't have to do that. Right. They lay it back on the ground next to the tube, you know, which is, you know, 60 feet back from the pit, that's a little bit different. But right. if it's up close, you know, Lean it against the fence, lean it against the wall. Right. Well, a safe part of the wall so it doesn't roll around and fall over, but just learn to take care of your stuff and it'll last long. hundred percent. And, and so, um, you know, sticking with the equipment for a little bit, um, now with poles, right? Like, you know, we were talking about that a little bit, uh, yesterday and, and there's a lot of things out there. And I mean, look, I, I can't tell you, I wish, you know, you asked me, you know, it's like, oh, would you have done anything differently? And I caught myself doing this all the time when I started coaching the club. And even before I went full time with it is, you know, the season would start and, you know, whatever, I I get some new kids and I'm like, okay, well, I need some more poles for this kid. So I I would get like four poles. Then a couple weeks pass by, I ordered three more poles. Then a couple weeks pass by, I ordered another three poles. And I'm like, I'm being such an idiot here. I am paying for shipping on each time I order these poles. And instead, if I just looked at my budget and be like, okay, I can afford X number of poles. Let me just order this many poles. And again, I I mean, I hate to make this sound like a commercial, but like these bundles that we're offering, I can't, I can't explain more how much a savings it is. You know what I mean? Like getting five poles, you're going to save up to $700, you know, and then you only pay for shipping once if you're somewhere around the country. If you're somewhere local, like anybody in New Jersey, like you can just literally drive here and pick them up. You don't pay for shipping at all. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, you know, I mean, that that's a great deal. Um, but I, I always think like that. And that way, if you buy a line and like we were talking on the phone yesterday, it's like that way, you know, your your athletes don't have to jump from one brand to another because, you know, then it's it's not necessarily consistent. Yeah. For sure. I know, uh, you know, like going through high school, and even coaching at the high school level, um, there's a few, you know, rich schools up in the Twin Cities here in Minnesota where they have, they can afford to have a line. 
You know, right. they pull the tube. They have all UCS. They're all perfect lines. Yeah. You know, you know they, they just know what they're going to get. You know, and same right. with other brands. You know, as long as you have one good brand and you know right. what poles you're choosing, that's right. the line. You know what it's going to feel like. Whereas, but 90% of the schools that I've seen and interact with, even, you know, some it's, colleges. It's mixed. They don't, it, they don't have a line. They go with one year they can afford expensive, so they buy a big brand. Next year they can't, so they'll buy one of the cheapest ones, which... You know, yeah, some people say pull is pull, and you know, there are well, when you're first getting started. I, I but think when you're actually trying I think to also, consistently. Yeah, I think also what it comes down to is education, right? So it's like, yeah, maybe yeah. one year, maybe they have like a stud kid, and the kid requests like UCS or a carbon, uh, a Gil Carbon, or maybe a Essex or whatever. And then it's like the next year the coach orders for some new kid, and they're like, ah, we'll just get an Altius. And not saying anything wrong with Altius, but I'm saying like, all of a sudden now it's a mixed matched line. It's like you go from yeah. a UCS to an Altius to a Skypole to a Carbon to back to a UCS. It's like, yep. wow, like this is all over the place. And it's just, it comes down to education. I mean, you as a pole vault coach, me as a pole vault coach, we understand that's not advantageous. Um, and that, that's why I would always recommend people try to purchase lines of poles, not yep. just one at a time. You know what I mean? It's just again, I think that's probably one of the silliest things I ever did when I was younger. Cause I was just like, keep buying up hole, up hole, up hole. And it's like, I should have yep. just bought a line that would have t- taken me through the season, you know? For sure. Um, I know like, uh, we talked about yesterday, one of my athletes, you know, called you a few months ago, you know, asking about training stuff or mm-hmm. whatever the whole conversation was about. But, uh, you know, for him, example, for, you know, here's a, he's a good example. You know, he, our pole tube that we brought to, every meet mm-hmm. his his poles you know he had five poles you know right. bad day small poles kind of poles that we know he can get on if he's having a you know average day yeah and then big poles that he could possibly need but we don't know right um, so those are the poles you know he had a bunch of poles and they we could barely fit them all in the tube with everybody else's poles but right. then you know he had his starting off pole which is a sky pole and that, that was soft. That was like a, you know, a short approach, um, full jump pole. And, you know, yeah. that was his takeoff pole for longer stuff. And then, you know, he'd bump up to a pacer. And mm-hmm. that cha- he had to change his jump for every single type of pole he had to move up. You know, some poles were faster, so he had to swing harder. Some poles right. were slower, and he just had to, he had to adjust his jump minorly. Not, you know, not too much, but he still had to think about it. This right. pole feels like this. This pole feels like that. And we just had to change you know, that's something we had to think about and change our strategy. Right, and, and think about for for a pole vaulter, you're trying to minimize the variables as much as yeah. possible. You know, for sure. I think there's one. There's like a T-shirt out there I read from some club they they made for one year or something like that a while back. They had they tried to think. They made a list of every single thing a pole vaulter thinks about from the time he he or she you know puts their spikes on, grabs their pole, and then jumps and gets out the runway. And there was like. 75 things that you think about in like a five minute period <laughs> if not from the beginning to the end of the runway to getting off the pit there right. are like 75 things that you subconsciously think about if you're an experienced pole holder sure yeah there's just some things you take for granted so, it's like autopilot but yeah you go through all that yeah you're just you know you don't even realize how much you're actually thinking about and if you can knock off some of that there's just a lot like you said just a lot less variables to worry about, to think about, to get caught up in. And, yeah. you know, it's just a lot easier that way. 
Yeah, hundred percent, and and that's why it's like you know if if people can, they they should get a line, you know, and long term, oh, yeah. you know, that's how you save money too. You know, you save on the shipping, you know, and look, not just me. I'm sure if people contact, you know, they could probably get a better deal if they say they're going to buy five poles at a time or something. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you I know just got on the phone with Altius and Essex and a few other people, just asking about their poles and how they work with clubs and. You know, they're, you know, like they said, with working with clubs, they have, you know, there always is some type of incentive to buying more poles at once. Right. Yeah. You just got to ask. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's huge. I think, I think buying a line would be, you know, a a big, big thing. Um, For sure. Another thing, like just, you know, again, to, to kind of bring up, I, I briefly brought it up earlier, but it's like, you have to remember as a pole vaulting club, you are not, again, you're not competing against other pole vaulting clubs as a business. Like when you th- put on your business hat, you yep. have to think about what you have in your area. You know, is there a CrossFit gym nearby? Is there a soccer thing? Is there a baseball thing? Is there, you know, a rock climbing gym? What, whatever, what's in your near area and what are the prices for those activities? Because yep. the thing is, if you're more expensive, then you better be providing more value, more one-on-one time, uh, more hands-on coaching, more, more of a program. If you're less expensive, are you still providing enough value? You know what I mean? Yep. Um, you know, so it's like you, that's – I think people, when they think about pricing – they have to think about that kind of idea. I know for me, you know, like we've talked about it. I, I, like I said, I never have more than 10 athletes to a coach. Um, I feel like that's a good amount and you're still getting enough time with a coach and, and you get enough jumps in a session. Plus we have the, uh, our lifting program that every athlete has access to. So it's like, for me, it's like, I think we provide a lot of value at like our three sessions a week program is, yep. you know, breaks down to about 20 bucks a session. I think that's huge value. You know what I mean? So oh, it's yeah, like, sure. I know that's good. And then, like I said, I think at the end of the day, then it's like, you have to work on your marketing and figure out how you can get people to know about your program. Cause if you can get people to know about your program, then you're going to get people to come in. And if they, if you have a good product, they're going to stay with you. They're going to love your service and you, you grow from there. Cause that's the thing. I think all of us being pole vault people, we know how exciting and awesome pole vault is, but how do we get other people to know that too and to want to come to our club? You know, I think that yeah. that's where people have to concentrate the most, you know? Definitely. Um, what, what, what do you feel now? I, I could tell you, um, you know, as far as in Jersey, what it's like, but what is it like in Minnesota as far as being a, a pole vault club coach? And relationships with high school coaches, as in how they mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, like I said, there's not many um, club. There's well, Flegel, Flegel's, uh Matt Nesser. You talked to them, yeah, right? I think at Reno. Yeah, we, um, we were on the podcast. Yep. You know, I've seen how you know they, I've seen them go to meets as you know together. They bring their uh, bring polls. What they, what they actually did was we have a. This university called Hamlin University, they do a Hamlin Elite Meet, which is at the beginning of the season, they bring, if you have jumped, ran through a certain mark at that, by that point, you can be in this meet. Right. And my athlete made it to that meet, um, qualified for it the night before, and then, uh, or like two nights before, so we went to that. And like I said, that was, this was before, we didn't have many 
pulls for him. They're just very, you know, mix match, not right. um, pulls that you just want desire to be using. Um, yeah. So we got to the meet, and, you know, he needed to, we knew he could jump 14. We knew that was there. We just didn't have the right tools for him. Um, Flegels over there, they are a de- SX, uh, dealer for Essex, um, mm-hmm. and they actually brought their line, a line of poles that they had, um, you know, from like 13, 12 sixes up to 14 sixes. They brought a, you know, a line of that. Yeah. And they just let you use it. Oh, wow. Uh, so my, my athlete, awesome. he just needed, you know, we we're just like, we've never jumped on these poles. They never had poles. They had perfect, they had a perfect line. Right. So we're just like, let's just give it a shot. So we used all Essex poles that day and they just said, go to town, use whatever you want. Just let us know and we'll get it taken care of. Yeah. That's and awesome. You just go and grab it. You blow through it. Go grab the next one. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. They're just, you know, promoting their poles, but they did that, you know, for the state meet, they did that for, and they show up to all these things and they'll help coach other athletes. And sure, they have their club athletes that they're helping out too if they're. Yeah. Coaches, you well, know, are cool with it. So that, that's, um, that sounds like a great, great thing because I know sometimes in my area, there's sometimes animosity between high yep. school and club coaches. And one of the things that I would say, you know, look, this is where it's like all of a sudden everybody becomes like a technique snob, you know what yep. I mean? In the pole vault. And that's where you can ruin relationships. Yep. And, I, and you know, I got to be honest, like even in my area, there, there are certain coaches and, Listen, I have people who literally probably hate my guts and I still lend them polls. I'm still very cordial with them. Um, but you know, and, and I feel like sometimes there there was nothing I could have done to, to, you know, help out in those relationships. I, I mean, I struggle with it all the time, but you have to try to like kind of put your technique aside. It's almost like, you know how like people say like, you know, don't talk about politics at dinner. You know, it's like, try not to talk about technique. Don't, don't get into like some huge technical debate with, with a high school coach. If you're a club coach, um, you just want to be friendly and accommodating and help any way you can, because those relationships are going to be crucial. Cause the thing is, if, if, if the wrong high school coaches don't, or the right or wrong, depending on your perspective, high school coaches don't like you, they're going to make your life difficult. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the, sure. the thing is like, look, I think definitely make sure that people know who you are, like wear your club shirt. I don't think you should ever be bashful about that, but yeah. always just try to be friendly and nice to everybody because I think the relationships that you build with those coaches are huge. I know even like in my area, I mean, they're the coaches that, that love me. I mean, one of the things that we started doing last year was like a rent a coach program. Yep. Where for a hundred dollars a day, you know, me or one of my coaches would go to the high school and coach a session at the high school. One, it got, it gave the opportunity for a lot more kids to try pole vaulting for the first time. And yep. then it also got us more clients because now those kids who never would have tried pole vaulting, they loved it. And then they wanted to join the club, you know? So, sure. I mean, it's a great idea. And those coaches love me. I mean, oh, yeah. those coaches, they'll call me up if they have any questions. They'll, they'll ask me for advice. And, and anytime they do have a kid that wants to pole vault because they have a good relationship with me, they're more than happy to recommend the kid come work with me. So that's the thing. It's like building those relationships with the coaches, I think is also another great way to to help build your club up and your business you know yep for sure i know it's uh well there comes a point you know some people are more capable than others but there comes a point where you know not someone's you know some people just are not gonna like you i mean yeah they just butt heads with you they just don't 
get along. Right. Like, come to the point where you just got to be an adult and, and you get past it and you realize why you got started, which is for the kids. Right. And, 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 and don't take it personally. You know, yeah, I, I mean, we, we were talking about friction before, right? It's like, why did Blockbuster go out of business and Netflix is, you know, making a lot of money? Uh, because there's less friction. Well, guess what? People don't re- people like watching drama, like in a movie, but yeah. they don't like drama. They want to be able to no. go to pole vault practice, have a good time. They want to be able to go to a track meet, have a good time. If it's like they constantly have to fight with a coach over pole vault, it's like kids are just going to be like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to do something else. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. So you, you want to make sure that it's, it's, it's a very, very easy, easy thing, you know? People don't want to have to deal with that kind of drama, you know? Um, and that's why, again, like, I, I can't really, like, uh, make this sound important enough, I feel like. Povol coaches and clubs need to realize we are not really competing against one another. Yes, on meet yeah. day, we all want to win, right? We're competing. Yep. But as, as a sport, we are actually trying to grow it together. We are competing against soccer. We are competing against football. We are competing against martial arts. We are competing against wrestling. Like you, we have to try to make our sport way more attractive than everybody else's. You know what I mean? And there are things that people really, really can value in our sport. I mean, if you're someone out there that's like struggling, you're like, as a pole vault coach, you're like, well, what do I tell someone? Like, what makes this sport so great? I mean, one, there's so much skill to learn. There's always something new to learn at pole vault practice, right? That's attractive. It's like, it's like trying to figure out that puzzle. Then there's the physical end of it, right? It's like pole vaulting is total body. And look, I don't, any pole vaulter that jumps fairly high. I mean, I, I would say any female that jumps probably like over 11, any male that jumps like over 13, 14 feet. It's like, yep. you get a good physique. You look good, you know, um, and it's a one-on-one thing. You learn on your own pace. Okay. That's awesome. And yet you still get the kind of team atmosphere because you're all practicing together. And these are things that we need to push on people and make them realize like, wow, see, this is awesome. Like, listen, you want to coach your technique. I coach my technique. This one coaches their technique. That's all good. You know what I mean? We're all just still pole vaulting. You know, our bigger thing is like, we have to see how we can differentiate ourselves from other sports and make ourselves seem more attractive. And that way we can get more people to try our sport. I mean, I, I love like, you know, kind of going back to the idea of like getting people to come to attract me, man, pole vault club championships the last years. I, I can't, be more happy. I literally almost started crying, uh, two years ago, two summers ago. Cause it was like, we had over a hundred competitors. We had 130 spectators. We were able to give out, I think $800 prize money for each winner, you know? Nice. And that's because we charge for spectators. And it's like, dude, you can get people to come out and watch this stuff. You know what I mean? You can, but we have to start putting on that mentality, you know, and we, you, people can start a pole vaulting club and make it their full-time business. Like if you love pole vaulting that much, dude, go out there and do it. You know, it's, it's definitely possible. And the more of us that do it, the bigger this thing grows and, and the more we can do, we we can make more money, put on more events, have more prize money for athletes. I mean, I think this all goes together. The bigger it grows, the more people involved, I, I think the better off we all are. Oh yeah, for sure. It's definitely, uh, like you said, you know, if, if Fleagles didn't start up, you know, a little bit ago here in Minnesota, I probably, you know, I've always, I, I thought about before them, but they definitely have, a been a pioneer here for yeah. you know, at least pushing the idea around for yeah. full time clubs. There's always, there's always been 
you know, summer clubs or, you know, winter clubs that do just, you know, a few weeks. And, you know, they're great. They're, it's something at least. Yeah. You know, they hold their value. Yeah. Um, but for kids or even people who, like you said, you know, whether it's the kids who are very serious about it or the kids who just want to get out of the house and go try something new. Right. It's definitely, a, it's just, you know, say that's during the winter when they have no sports or during the summer, it can be whenever. And, right. you know, say they fall in love with it, they can actually do something for real. Because I know as beneficial as it was for me to do those summer camps and winter camps for me when I was in high school, I can't even imagine how much it would be if I was actually to have that coach and right. that program for the whole entire year and actually keep building and not just having to start over once a new season starts. Right. Yeah, no, I, 100%. 100%. And how many pole vaulters do we lose year after year because they only do it for one season and then they get caught up in other sports or other activities, whereas yep. if they had the opportunity to do it year-round, they would have stuck with it. I, look, I, I mean, I, th- I, th- I think we both know how big this sport can be. We just... We need more people like you that are willing to try, you know what I mean, and really chase after that that dream, you know what I mean, of running a club, because I think that's that's the biggest thing. And I think pole vaulting, you know, is just such an exciting event, you know, and it's I I really I think of it as its own sport, you know, and I think we could do big things with the sport of pole vaulting, you know, Um, John, did you have any other, you know, comments or questions or did you want to let people know maybe about your social media or anything to follow you um, before we end the podcast? Um, you know, like I think we covered pretty much everything that, you know, that I've had run through my head and that kind of brought up in, you know, yesterday's conversation today. We, today we had talked about before the podcast here. Um, so I think I'm good there. Awesome. Um, as far as social media, um, have yet to get to that point for pole vault wise. Okay. Um, Photography-wise, my photography is John Carter Photography. That's where I'll branch out with this pole vault stuff. I'll branch mm-hmm. off based off that. Yeah. Just because that's where I have a lot of um, reach Followers, with yeah. as far as my, where I'm at and all the people around me. So, yeah. But yeah, uh, John awesome. Carter underscore photography is my Instagram. So feel free to go ahead and give me a follow there if you'd like. Awesome. And um, anybody listening, if you uh, you have comments or questions, uh, please email us at apexvaulting at gmail.com. Um, anybody interested in any of those pole bundles or anything, please let us know. We'd be happy to help you out and hook you up with some uh, great lines of polls. Um, if you could subscribe to our podcast, that would be great. Leave a comment. That's always appreciated. And we're the real Apex Vaulting on Instagram and Apex Vaulting on Facebook, Snapchat, and Twitter. Um, thanks for listening to another episode.